Hey, this is Scotty Vermeen from Daniel Boone Baptist Church in Gate City, Virginia. I'm the interim pastor and would like to invite you to worship with us at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. We also have Bible study at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Check us out on Facebook at Daniel Boone Baptist Church where you will find weekly sermons and daily interaction to keep you in touch with the Lord and to keep you in touch with His kingdom. Give you some, I'm going to give you some stuff today, and I don't want you to hear Scotty, okay? I want you to hear, hear the Holy Spirit, because I want to give you something that I believe God wants me to give you that deals with faith and walking this faith out. Last week, we talked about taking it to the next level. Do y'all remember that? And really, the next level in this walk, in this struggle that we're in, is on our knees in prayer. It's where we should start our day, we should end our day, and we should walk in prayer constantly and consistently. And we talked about seeking after the will of God. That is probably, or that has probably been one of the most difficult things that I have done in my, my entire life. And for whatever reason, God's just always kind of kind of convicted me on some things. And, and so he's he's led me in some areas, but but I have to do my part too, you know. We're gonna talk about that manna today. When God rained down manna from above, like frosted flakes on the ground. Uh, he didn't put it in their mouths. They had to do their part. So today, the title of the message is Daily Bread. Matthew 6, 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. And we know that Jesus is the bread of life, true, and that he was broken. And when we have communion, we, we, we break the bread and we partake of the body of Christ. And so when I think about give us this day our daily bread, most of us growing up thought that meant give us food for today. Most of us, not all of us. Some of y'all are more wise and understanding than this guy was. I'm simple-minded and not real bright. But I always thought that was give me my food, my sustenance, what I needed for the day. But the deeper I get with the Lord, I realize that it's really, it has to do with food, but it also has to do with the Lord himself. Give me what parts of you I need today. Give me the spirit that I need today to make these decisions. So give us today in our daily bread. Okay, It encompasses all kinds of things, but it's the word of God. The word of God is a living word and you need it daily. Let's pray over this passage, and then we'll get right into it. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Lord, thank you for the example that you give us in Scripture. But God, as it says in Revelations 12, 11, we overcome by the power of the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, and the word of our testimony. And so today I want to give your people part of my testimony. So I pray you'd speak. Dismiss me. Get me out of the way. Thank you for this group you brought here. Bless each person. Wake everybody up. Keep everybody attentive to what you have to say today. Love you and thank you, Jesus. I'm up here, youngins. Here's all my youngins. If you're a youth, you can stay or go because I got something for you, but I guarantee they got something for you too. But come up here first. We're going to pray. Come on. All my youngins. How many we got today? More than seven. I'm glad I didn't buy gummies again. We got a bunch of you. I think that verse actually says, give us this day some more candy. What do y'all think? As we go, y'all got some snacks downstairs? All right. Come up here and get in a circle with us. Y'all join hands. I told you last week, and I'm going to tell, tell it to you again. The world's going to pray on these youngins. P-R-E-Y. Get over here. She don't buy it. They're going to pray on them, but we're going to pray over them, aren't we? Huh? If you come to this church, your kids are going to get prayed for every time you come. All right? And you're going to hear, this is a bigger circle than last time, isn't it? Two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven. I'm just a big kid at heart, too. He said it's a flat circle. He's going to be an engineer. Very, very good point there. 
So we got a little egg going on. It's almost Easter, okay? So let's pray. Y'all ready? Right. Heavenly Father, thank you for these children. I pray for their lives, and I pray, God, that you would cover them with a hedge of protection. God, the enemy means harm against us, against our kids, but we declare that he has no power over these children. For the rest of their lives, your hedge of protection be on them. And Lord, those that, are, that you're drawing to yourself, Lord, bring them to salvation. And those that are saved, Lord, turn them into leaders. Thank you for these kids. Bless them as they go down and learn about you in Jesus' name. Amen. One, two, three. Mm, go. You guys have fun. <laughs> Every time we do a group thing, I think about, you know, team stuff. You go. You guys have fun today. We had eight last week and ten this week. Who's next week? Eleven or twelve. Please do. All right. You come and bring everybody you can. Daily bread. One life affects another. Don't you believe that? Yeah, one life affects another. You know, as I get older, I realize that all my words and actions affect other people, not just those I'm close to, but some, even my enemies, you know. And the Bible says to love your enemies and to do good to those who curse you, to do good to those who don't like you and throw things at you and are mean to you. Y'all, did y'all really think I got in a fight? Uh, yeah, yeah. But that's what that's what uh, I felt like doing, you know. Sometimes I know I know you guys understand where I was going there. But one life affecting another, and I think about Matthew six eleven, giving us our daily bread. Go to Exodus chapter sixteen, and I'm gonna turn, I'm gonna hit the clicker, and I'm gonna go there with you. Most of these I have on here, but Exodus chapter sixteen. Do you remember in the Old Testament when God brought His children out of Egypt? Okay, after four hundred years in slavery, He brings them out. When I think about 400 years, I think about this, and I told you this many weeks ago, that sermon, I'm coming out. Y'all remember that one? There's a certain period of time that does pass by for us as children of God. These were children, these were God's children. 400 years is a long time, but you know, sometimes we we get in seasons of life and we we wonder when it's going to change, when it's going to get better, the struggle we've been talking about. And there comes a point in time, like it did for the children of Israel, that God says, enough's enough, you're coming out. But if you remember when they got out, they started complaining about food. We had this and this in Egypt, you know, bondage. And so God then continues to meet their needs. And, and in Exodus chapter 16, he gives them something from heaven. It's called manna, so they wouldn't have to work to, to get food and whatnot. And it says in chapter 16, verses 18, 19, it says, so when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. I need, I need to tell you this, that whatever it is you need daily, God will provide it. And you may need more than some other people. You may need less. But whatever it is that you need, it says God will provide it. This is Old Testament. How can we relate to Old Testament? I had a friend one time tell me that he, he struggled to read the Old Testament because it made no sense to him. And once he's investigated a little more and a little more and starts to understand it a little deeper, the Old Testament, I've told you before, is a picture. God paints a picture, and he, he paints it from beginning to end, and, and then Jesus comes in, and some things change, and we are the New Testament church. And so now all we have to do is believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we shall be saved and inherit the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit comes in, and now this vessel, this tabernacle, is the tabernacle of the living God. Remember we talked about that a couple weeks ago? But in the Old Testament, the tabernacle was the place where you went to the priest and the priest, and then you give sacrifices and blood sacrifices, and then the, the priest could go into the Holy of Holies, but he's the only one that could go in there. 
And when Jesus was crucified on the cross, the veil was torn from top to bottom to open up the Holy of Holies so that we could now go in. And if we read through the New Testament, we find that the Holy Spirit resides in us and we're the temple of God. The Old Testament gives a picture of what's to come. And so when I look at this passage, it says that they measured it by omers. Everybody gathered as much as they needed. Some got more than others. Some got less than others, but everybody got what they needed. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. Here's what he said to them. Don't gather more than you need for today. Because whatever you gather, we'll read it to you. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses' word. That's also a, th- a picture in the Old Testament. We cannot keep the law. We cannot not sin. We are incapable of not sinning. And that's all through the Old Testament. They, they get the word from Moses, they break it. He comes down off the mountain and they're worshiping idols. You know, you remember that a few weeks ago. But they didn't listen to Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning. Here's what they did. They gathered more than they needed and they put it in the fridge. Because they thought, well, I'll eat this tomorrow. And it says, it bred worms and stank. Some, some interpretations say it maggots got all over it. There's maggots in my manna, you know. And this correlates with worry. Because how many of you sitting in here today has worried about something that hasn't even happened yet? You know what I'm saying? I, the only reason I can tell you that is because I've done it all the time, and I'll do it again. Don't dare me. <laughs> No, but I, I worry. We're going to read a passage in a minute about worrying about tomorrow. It says, And Moses was angry with them. Manna from heaven, daily bread. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 6. It says, Therefore, this is New Testament, do not worry. Don't worry. No, that's hard, and it, it's hard for me. It says, Don't worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Now, we could substitute some other questions in there. How shall I deal with this situation at work tomorrow that I've got to face? Or how shall I deal with getting up every day and knowing the thing that I lost is never coming back? How can I deal with that kind of stuff? The Bible says don't worry about those types of things. Or what shall we wear for all these things the Gentiles, unbelievers, seek? But your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. How many of you as daddies, daddies, if your child was in need, would in need, not want. There's a difference. If your child was in need, would not sacrifice to give them what they need. There's not one of you in here that wouldn't. You know what I mean? We've all done it. It says your father knows what you need. Then it says, and we read it last week, and I love this passage, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Anything that you might have worry for or need for, if you seek the kingdom of God, he will add it unto you. And I'm going to explain it to you with a testimony in a minute. And it didn't come to me when I was 18 or even 20 or 25, but at 46 years old, as I look back, I I have begun to realize that my life is seated in Christ, and so is yours if you've accepted him as your Savior. And all of my decisions got to go through him first. Or I can make my own decisions and reap the consequences, and we've all done that. But it says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Don't worry about tomorrow. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I'll talk to you first concerning daily bread about your decisions. And I started to put this on there, and I'm just going to show it to you. This is what you're dealing with. 
Okay, when y'all asked me to come here, this is what you got. It's a mess. Every one of my notes, Leanne will tell you, you can't decipher these. Only I can, and God, obviously. But it's a mess. This is what you got. We're going to talk about some of this stuff on this page today. So if I lose, if I lose you, forgive me. I think there are three types of decisions. I think there are big decisions. Like I've only had a few big decisions in my life. Now I'm really I'm talking about big decisions. Who I'm accepting Christ, who I'm going to marry, where I'm going to work, you know, what I'm going to study in college. And I didn't even know what I was going to study in college. I'll be honest with you, I graduated college with an accounting degree and a business minor thinking I was going to be in a, some kind of insurance guy because that's what my brother did. So I thought I'll try to do what he did. But God had a different plan, okay? And it was one Sunday that John Vickers spoke to me. Y'all remember John Vickers, Coach Vickers? Spoke to me at our church, and he said, hey, uh, have you ever thought about coaching? I said, a little bit, a little bit. And he said, well, Don Flick, y'all remember Don Flick? Don Flick uh, is, is resigning at Twin Springs, and you ought to apply. And I thought, well, I might try that. And, and so I go home, and the, the spirit inside of me, because I was saved, didn't know where I was going or what I was doing, but my stomach was turning. You all know the feeling I'm talking about. When God just says something to you, and you can't get it out of your belly, and so you end up, I think a Leanne can probably correct me. If I'm telling a, an untruth, it's because my memory's low and, and running short. It ain't because I'm lying. But I think I applied on Monday. I think I interviewed on Friday, and I think they gave me the job on Friday. It, it happened that fast. It happened like that. Okay, so I had to continue to get my education stuff finished and all that stuff. And God had a different plan for my life than, than what, I had, what I thought I had planned. But God used John Vickers. See, one life affects another. And time goes on, and as I learn more about the history of Gate City basketball, so to speak, okay, and again, don't hear, don't hear me today. Hear, hear, a, hear a faith that I've walked out, and now I'm, I'm looking back thinking, oh, my goodness. Coach Irvin, do y'all know Coach Irvin? Coach was always a mentor to me. And the more I learn about how he got to where he got and how I got to where I got and how this whole thing transpired, this, this actually happened many, many years ago. Coach Irvin was, a, I think, a senior at Virginia Tech, and he would love to coach, so he's thinking about coaching. John Vickers is his father-in-law, uh, by the way. So Coach Irvin decides, I would like to be a, an, a grad assistant or whatever you want to call it for a high school team in the Blacksburg area. So he goes to Blacksburg High School, and he meets with their coach. And he says, hey, I'd love to help. I'll help for free. They say, ah, we don't need any help. So he leaves Blacksbury, goes to Christiansburg High School. He talks with their coach. I'd love to help. How can I help? We don't need any help. Then he goes to one other one. I can't remember which one. He went to three high schools. Look it up. Asked him last night. Bradford. Bradford. They've won all kinds of state championships. He should have stayed right there. Now he went to Radford. Don't need any help. So he leaves discouraged. And he can take you to the road that he was, it was an intersection that he was sitting on, and he looks up and he sees a sign that says Pulaski High School this way. And he thought to himself, I know absolutely nothing about Pulaski High School. I think I'm just going to go back to my dorm room. He said, ah. Okay, so he turns left. He goes to Pulaski High School. He goes in. He asks, he asks Pat Burns. That's his name, Pat Burns. He was the head coach at that time. He's, Could you use some help? And he said, absolutely. Matter of fact, I need a ninth grade coach. And that's how that transpired. Now, you need to understand that Pat Burns has a son. His name's Matt Burns, who lives in Weber City, 
where Robert's Tire and Recapping guy used to live there. He lives up there now. His kids go to Gate City. But anyway, it formed a relationship between Pat Burns and Greg Urban. Pat Burns was in the circle with Dean Smith. Who knows Dean Smith? Carolina plays today, and if you're a Carolina fan, you understand. See, Pat Burns had sat in Dean Smith's office with four or five coaches as Dean Smith would go one cigarette after another. Did y'all know he was a chain smoker? I had no idea. He, he, he was embarrassed about it. It was, it was a private thing for him. He testified about it later on in his life. But anyway, Pat Burns sat in that circle. Can you imagine the information that Pat Burns had in his head from Dean Smith in that circle? And so that got transferred to Coach Irvin. And if I, and, and if I say to you guys that 75 or 85% of what I learned about the game of basketball came through him, I'd probably be under it. I, it's, probably a long, it's, probably le, it's probably 90%. I mean, it's that much. And so that thing started this, I don't know, family relationship that kept us in tune. And, and I think about Coach Irvin sitting at a traffic or at a stop, stop sign with a decision to make, and he wasn't praying about it. You know, I'm not going to tell you I'm super spiritual and that I was praying about all this stuff I'm going to tell you about today. But some of it I did, but most of it I didn't. It was just the Holy Spirit not allowing Coach Irvin to make the wrong turn. See, destiny hung in the balance right then. Y'all know that? He sure did. If he goes back to his dorm room, we I am not who I am. He's not who he is, and we ain't who we are. You see what I mean? Decisions are huge. And when I think about daily bread, I'm you can't you can't for a moment imagine what's ahead for you. You can't. It's too big. But today you can, and you can make decisions for today. I was get contemplating getting out of coaching for years. I was gonna do it when Drew was done playing, but God God had different plans and uh I was ready to get out, but I was sick about it, too. My wife was ready for me to get out, and she was kind of sick about it, too. And Drew goes off to school, and y'all know, you guys that have sent kids to college, you know the feelings that are going in your, you know, you're just sick. You know, it's just a weird thing. His truck kept tearing up, and we kept trying to fix it. Now, I'm going to tell you on the front end what was wrong with it. The battery cable was loose. That's it. I changed a starter. I mean, I, we did all that stuff. We drove up and back, up and back, up and back, two or three days in a row, didn't we? In that little uh, Jeep that we had, with it, it wouldn't hardly pull up hills. And we were just, in, the, in that, I remember driving thing, we got to get him something else to drive because he has to drive this thing up and back all the time. So we changed a starter, and it was one night, it was late, and it took me all evening to change that starter. And Leanne was sitting on a block way back away from where I was at. Drew was coming and going from football practice. It was all kinds of stuff going on. We got the starter changed. It didn't fix the truck. But in those moments where I'm contemplating in that period of time, I'd already went to Mr. Ferguson. I'd already went to Mr. Smith, and I told them, I'm done. I'm not coaching this year. I can't do it. I'm physically, mentally, spiritually, I'm sick. I'm over it. I went to Mr. Lane, our principal, closed the door, and as I commenced to telling him I was done, and this was in August, September, he told me to wait. He said, wait. Give it till after Labor Day. I want you to think more about it. Wait. And that was a word from a man who wasn't in my circle necessarily, you know, but he was in my circle, my, my a bigger circle. But it wasn't from Coach Irvin or from Pastor Barnes or anybody else, but it was from the Holy Spirit speaking through another man. And so I waited. I kept my mouth shut after that. And we go up to change a starter on a truck, and she's sitting on a cinder block. Now, this is how it happens. This is how the Lord works. And I change the starter, and we go home, and she don't say a word all the way home. It's just like everybody's quiet, just me and her, but we're quiet, and we're not really talking. And she had gotten a word from God 
that night that she said was so literal that she turned around to see who it was speaking. And the words were, correct me if I'm wrong, not yet. Not yet. That's all he said, not yet. I had a sermon on that earlier at First Baptist in Gate City. I don't know if I gave it to you all. Jeff was letting me come. But it spoke to me uh, weeks later. But she didn't tell me what the Lord told her because she wanted me to hear the answer that he was giving me because she didn't want to tell me what to do because she's a good wife and all that stuff. You see what I mean? That's who she is. And it was days later, and I was dreading the conversation with her because for years we talked about coaching's over, I'm done. There's a lot that goes into coaching, guys, that, that you all can't see. But when I finally said, I'm not sure I'm supposed to get out, she said, I know you're not. <laughs> you know, God told me this and this. And I said, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> so I've got to quit bugging on this. That's how he works. Now listen to me and hear, hear me straight because i got one more story. God will not let you as his child make a, a bad, big decision. He will not. Now, you can be so stubborn that you go against him, but I believe that if you're seeking him first, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. If you're literally seeking the kingdom of God, and I was, I do, and I hope you do. I do it daily. Do I stumble daily? Yes. I say things I shouldn't say. I sin. I'm, I, make, I make a mess of the whole thing. But even in my mess, I'm still seeking God, and he knows it. He will not let you make a bad, big decision. He's that good. He's that big that he'll speak literally to a lady sitting on a cinder block or whatever she's sitting on over there at UVA Wise at 10 o'clock at night. I got another one. This was a big one. I told you Dave Hibbets and I met on Snap. We didn't meet on Snapchat, but we were united. We worked together, and then there was a few years went by, and Dave was in a bad place. I'll, just tell, I'll say it like it, and he don't mind me telling you. And we hooked up on Snapchat, which when I say hooked up on Snapchat, that kind of sounds funny, but I just... I was his friend. He was my friend, and we were sending snaps back and forth. That's how that, that happened. And we started growing together, and some things were taking place. And I, was, I got out of coaching two years after the not yet. I coached two more years. It, it was a pleasant two years. God gave me grace for every day, okay? He knew something else was ahead that I couldn't see, and he, he was just keeping me in a spot that he needed to keep me in. That's just how God works. See, we have visions and dreams, and we have ideas. Bible says old men dream, uh, old men has uh, dream dreams, I think it is, and young men have visions. We have these ideas, and even, and God plants them there, and we want them to hurry up and come to fruition, but they don't always come like that. It's a daily seeking God kind of thing, okay, and trusting the outcome to him. See, we're responsible for the process. We have to pick up the manna that he rains down, but he's responsible for the outcome, trusting the outcome to him. So Dave and I walked together for a while. I coached two more years. Then I got out of coaching. And at that point in time, I went and talked to Pastor Barnes and Pastor DeBoard. And I said, man, I think God's got a different call in my life. And I, you know, I don't want to say it. I don't want to get in front of church. And I never have done that. I didn't get up here and say, God's called me to preach. Because I don't, I don't necessarily see myself as a preacher or anything like that. I think God's called us all to be ministers. Okay. And so as God started moving and I had opportunities to speak, some things happened at Gate City, and I thought, well, that's that's where God's leading me, you know, to Gate City First Baptist to fill in here or there. And there was a plan. We all met. There was a plan, and we kept meeting, and we kept meeting, and we kept meeting. Jeff DeBoer was right here, and I thought, well, Jeff's going to be here. You know, I'd love to help Daniel Boone. Matter of fact, Leanne and I, uh, when this whole thing started, the first church that came to her heart and my heart was Daniel Boone. I can't explain it. Don't know why. I'd only been here a couple times, you know, visiting and speaking a couple times. You know, 
guys remember that a few years ago? But that was the first church that came to mind. I didn't even want to lead a church. Still don't want to lead a church. I don't know what I'm doing. You guys know that. I'm crazy. You know? Okay. But at the same time, it, it started getting feet and fingers and hands, and we thought it was going in this direction. And I had grew up in that church from the time I was 14. She was there uh, before that. I was baptized there. All kinds of stuff happened there. I'm connected to that church. Y'all understand that. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, yes, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. I think that's, I know those people. I didn't know y'all yet. I knew of you, but I didn't know you. That's where I want to be. And so I began to pray about it. And me and Dave Hibbets was like, you know what? Let's pray about this. And, and uh, he was playing in the, the band a little bit. And, and it was kind of weird. Uh, he would go and play. And he, he would just say, man, it's just been, it's just odd for me. I, I love it, but, but it's odd for me. I don't feel like I fit. That's what he said. So we just started praying about this whole thing. And really big decisions are like a walk on the beach. And I'm going to explain it to you what I mean. Leanne and I took a little vacation in September, and we were walking on the beach. Was it September? Right before we got COVID, and just it was awful. It was awful. It was a nightmare. But we we were in a good place, and so we go to the beach, and we decided we were going to pray about stuff while we're there. And and, uh, Dave was praying for me, and Dave and I pray for each other every day. But I want to show you a, uh, if I can get there. Um, you can't read it, but I just put it up there, and I'm going to read it to you so that you'll know I ain't adding to it. We're walking on the beach. And I told you where I wanted, where I thought I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. And at that time, uh, Andy Barnes was retiring and getting out of uh, pastoring. And so there were a bunch of things going on with Jeff and me and the whole thing. Y'all remember that time period. And so I, I asked Dave a question. I said, do you think that God would give you a yes or no answer for me if we really asked him to. Y'all know in the Bible where Gideon put out a fleece? Y'all remember that story? And God, God spoke to him through the fleece. I'm not, I'm not advocating that, only if the Holy Spirit tells you to do that. But he said, I believe, yeah, I believe he would. And he said, like a yes or no, he said, this is Dave. He said, yes, I absolutely believe that he would give me a yes or no about that. So if you're asking me to pray for your yes or no, I will do that, and I will not answer you until I'm certain of the answer. We've tried this since, by the way, and it doesn't work. <laughs> we can't. We, it's usually like, I don't have an answer for you. I said, we'll do it. And he said, well, I'll say this in advance. I already know that God has gone before you on this. He didn't know what this was. He, he had no idea what I, what I was asking. I just said, I just need a yes or no. I already know that God's gone before you on this, firsthand knowledge of it, and that's the reason why I will need to be certain that it is his answer. That's not my will or or your will, but it's his will. I need to be certain that it's his answer. I said, he said, okay, right now, 3.28 p.m., we're walking on the beach, 3.52, almost 30 minutes. Dave texts me back, and this is what I want you to get today, because nobody could have told him what was told to him except the Holy Spirit. He says to me that God said, you can't change the question. Write it down. Okay, here's what I had done. My question was, Am I supposed to go to Daniel Boone? That was my question. But when I, when I asked him to pray about it, it scared me. And so I changed the question. I said, you know what? The question's actually going to be, am I to stay at Gate City? That was my question. I changed it in a matter of 20-some minutes. And he comes back to me and says, God said you can't change the question. Now, who is that? What is that? See, God won't let you make a bad decision. He might teach you something along the way, but he's not going to let you make a big bad decision. He's not. Now, you've made some bad decisions. Maybe you didn't ask him for the answer. If you're seeking him, he will give you 
the decision you're seeking for. It might not be the one you want. And I said, oh, my, are you serious? I said, he def- he's definitely talking to us because I actually tried to change the question. Then I said, holy Lord, I hope that's not bad. But I said, holy Lord, I cannot believe he said that. Then the next slide says, he said, you can't change the question, write it down. And I said, do you want me to write the question? You, you want the question or just me write the question for me? Then he said, he didn't say that. He said, even if you answered it, you would still question it if it wasn't written down. That way, you know yes or no to the actual question that you're trying to ask. No, I definitely don't want the question. He did not know what I was asking. I want to reemphasize that. He had no idea. I just needed a yes or no. You just need a yes or no, but it needs to be to a specific question or or you're still going to bounce it around. Now, I, I think that's for somebody. How many times has God called you to something and you made up all the reasons why not to go there, not to do that, not to call this person, not to apologize, not to do whatever, and God's called you, but you reasoned it out in your mind and you come to a place where you did like me and you changed the question. Yeah, we miss a lot of blessings, don't we? We really truly do. Then Dave says, he'll give me the yes or no, but he wants you to write it down. I said, okay, I'll write it down. He said, fist bump. That was 414. 415 said, it's done. It's wrote down. 6.03, an hour and 45 minutes. That man played, prayed an hour and 45 minutes for me. Is that not amazing? Remember a couple weeks ago, I said, be careful who you hit your wagon to. Be careful who you put in your circles. God will bring people to your circle. And they may not be people that you're acquainted with much, or it might be a perfect stranger. Who knows? Be careful who you put in your circles. He prayed an hour and a half for me comes back and he says, yes, yes and amen. That was the answer. And then I said, same word I heard a year ago. Thanks, brother. I'm going to need help. And this means more to me than than the prayer. He says, boom, I'm with you. Isn't that awesome? And that's daily seeking God. Now, that's just my testimony. That's not me sitting up here saying I'm, I'm holier than anybody else or anything else, but I truly have sought God in some big decisions over the last two or three years. And I'm standing here and I got to see my nephew and hear him play victory in Jesus this morning. Wouldn't have happened if I stayed up at Gate City. Wouldn't have happened. Half my family's here. That wouldn't have happened if I stayed there. They might come visit, but it's not going to be like this. You know, we're at a place where my family's like, we don't want to go anywhere. That's kind of where we're at. And Trisha and I have all kinds of conversations about this. But what's happening today, and this has nothing to do with me, it has to do with us as a church, doesn't happen if we don't seek God daily and ask him for big answers, and he's not going to let you mess up. He won't let you change the question. Isn't that awesome? Ecclesiastes 11.5 says this, big decisions, big decisions. As you do not know what it what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. This is important for the Christian. The ways of God are mystery. And for all of us, for me personally, I get, I get all kinds of counsel all the time because what I do is relational. I work with people, and I get advice all the time. But the, the way of the Lord, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows the thoughts of God except God himself. Seek God first. If you'll seek the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto you. That's Ecclesiastes 11.5. Jeremiah 33.3 says this, Call to me and I will answer you. Have you ever tried it? I mean really tried it. Not called to him and asked him to help and then got up 
and went back into the situation that you were in, refusing to make a different decision. See, God's not going to bless the amount of Bible that you know. He will not. He will only bless the amount of Bible that you do. He don't bless the word you know. He blesses the word you do. Read it. It's all throughout Scripture. Obedience is huge. It's not hard. You think it's hard, and that's the enemy. But the moment you take the first step, do you remember what happened when the presence of the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant, stepped into the Jordan River? What happened when the feet of the priests hit the water? Which is an Old Testament picture of the presence of the Lord. What happened? The water stood up in a wall and parted for them to walk on dry ground across. That's what the Bible says. And here's how that goes. That's Old Testament. That's a picture of how we are to seek the Lord daily. And now if the presence of the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant, enters the water at flood stage, the moment it enters the water at flood stage, your storm, your struggle, your chaos, the moment that the presence of the Lord goes before you and enters that, remember, they went before the children of Israel. They were a 1,000 yards ahead of them. But the moment the feet of the priest, the presence of the Lord, hits the situation, waters part. See, a lot of the things that you worry about and that you struggle with and that you, you don't know what you're going to do tomorrow, let tomorrow worry about itself. Ask God to help you and ascend the presence of the Lord ahead of you. The Old Testament says that he goes before you and fights for you. That's what the Bible says. He goes before you and fights for you. He does the same for me. And he'll speak a word to a wife in a big decision. He'll speak a word to a friend. He will not let you make a mistake if you're seeking him. Call to me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. You have no clue how you're going to make it tomorrow. Some of you are in big situations. You're getting older. You've dealt with something for year after year after year after year, and you've thrown your hands up to God and said, I've asked you to take this away, and you haven't taken it away. You spent 400 years in Egypt, and God's eventually going to, if you keep seeking him, and he knows that you're seeking him, he's eventually going to draw a line and say, no more. That's how it happens. That's how habits change. That's how strongholds get broken. That's how addictions fade away. You seek the Lord and seek the Lord and seek the Lord and seek the Lord and daily, 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 daily bread, more word, more church, more God, more prayer, more people in my circle, less people in my circle. You understand? Seek the Lord and he will show you things that you had no idea that he had in store for you. He'll give you strength for it. He'll give you courage for it. Do you know that in Joshua chapter one, it, it says three times in a row to be strong and courageous you can't walk. Now, that's Old Testament. They were getting ready to walk into the land that they didn't know anything about. But it was land that God was giving them. And it's a picture for us. For us to walk out faith, we must have courage. That means we got to look at a situation that we know we can't fight on our own and fight it anyway. And as we fight it, we ask God to help us. Go before us even. He'll show us things we didn't know. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Honestly, I leave a lot of stuff at work now that I didn't used to. When I coached, my first 10 years of coaching, I took it home with me, didn't I? I'd come home, and I, I mean, I struggled. I'd wring my hands, and I'd try to find answers. And as I grew as a Christian, and I realized that's God's call on my life, I learned to leave some things where they need to be left and pick them up tomorrow. I got enough for today. I'm going to leave this till tomorrow. So that thing that you're dealing with, but dealing with the thought of it tomorrow. Deal with it today. When you get tempted to go back to the old ways of life, 
get up and move from where you are. Call or text a friend who's in your circle of brothers or sisters, get some encouragement, and then take courage and don't go back to the old ways of life. Just start walking in the new. That's what baptism is, looks like. Because I'll guide you. Listen to this. I love this. I will guide you with my eye. God, I can't see where I'm going. I can't see where I'm going. I have no idea what you're doing here. Am I supposed to go to Gate City? Am I supposed to go to Daniel Boone? I know you spoke to me about Daniel Boone, but I don't, I don't understand this. Uh, am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to keep coaching? Am I supposed to draw back? And What am I supposed to do? I can't see. God will guide you with his eye because he can see. Whether you believe it or not, the Bible is very clear. He sees beginning from beginning to end. We're sitting in a time thing. He don't have a time thing. He sees it all. And so we just go to the one who sees it all and ask him to go before us, and he will give us, according to his eye, the way that we should go. Isn't that awesome? I want to talk to you secondly about conflict. And I'm about finished, so hang on. I, I realize this, and I spoke about it when, uh, Thursday in the video. As you walk out your, your faith, you're going to run into resistance. And the devil uses people well-meaning people sometimes, people that love you and you love. But he will put a hedge between you and somebody. We're going to talk about conflict because you got to deal with conflict. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. A couple weeks ago, I reminded you that our weapons are not weapons of the world. We don't, we don't repay evil for evil. We don't lash back out. We don't take revenge. Vengeance is... The Lord's, saith the Lord. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. That's what the Bible says. James 1.19 says, So then, my beloved brothers, let every man be swift to hear. That's quick to hear. Listen. Two ears, one mouth. Listen. Be quick to hear. Slow to speak. What's the first thing you want to do when somebody confronts you with conflict? You want to plead your case. You want to come back at them. Now, don't tell me you don't. I know you do. I got in a fight this week, remember? Uh, it don't work like that. What you're doing when you do that is you're sowing evil. You're sowing ill intent. So slow to speak, and then it says slow to become angry is what a lot of translations say, slow to wrath. We ought to live our day by this. I did that video on Thursday, and I promised you on Friday, and you all going to think that I'm just saying this, and I'm not. I wanted to fight everybody Friday. That's God's honest truth, just being honest with you. I was wanting to fight everybody. He'd probably tell you that it's true. Proverbs 18, 13 says, he who answers a matter before he hears it, listen to this. Parents, this even means you when your kids are giving you something. Now, sometimes you just got to say, no. <laughs> That's a powerful word, isn't it? But sometimes you need to hear it out. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. I do that all the time. And then I catch myself. Hear it out first. Let's see what they're saying. I don't know if this is in the Bible exactly like this, but I've heard it many times. First, seek to understand can be understood. Because once you understand, once I understand Janelle, and where she's coming from, I might not have an argument at all. You know what I'm saying? My, my desire to be understood might go away. You see? 1 Peter 3, 8, 9 says, Finally, all of you be, be of one mind. Brethren, church, family, be of one mind. Having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted. See, the thing about brothers is brothers can get in a fight. Physical, don't matter. And I'm telling you, they go eat dinner together, and they're good. They're going fishing together on Thursday. That's how that works. And the same should be true in the house of God. Love is brothers. 
Be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. This is the upside-down kingdom of God. His ways are not our ways. He can show us things that we have no clue about, but we have to do our part. And we'll never see the blessing of God, and I'm going to prove it to you, if we use the weapons of the world to fight our battles. Don't repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you are called to this. Called to what? You are called to a blessing. The Old Testament says if somebody smacks you on the right cheek, turn and give them, give them the left cheek to smack. That don't make much sense. You know, I wasn't raised that way. My mom's back here, and she didn't raise me that way. If somebody picks on you, you just go ahead and solve it. You hit them in the nose one time, she tells me, their eyes will go blurry, and they can't see, <laughs> you know. That's what I learned from my mother. <laughs> She'll tell you it's the truth, too. But that's not God's ways. Old Testament tells us, turn the other cheek. You See what I mean? And it says here, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. You will not inherit the blessing if you fight the world with the world's weapons. Think about it. How many arguments have you ever won with the world, somebody of the world, and it could have been somebody in the church, and y'all just kept going back and forth until somebody finally said, I'm going to yield. I'm sorry. I was wrong. And then what happens? Then you see progress. You see what I'm saying? You see healing. You see relationships come back together. Don't fight the world with the world's weapons. It says, for he who would love his life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. Watch what you say. We're going to talk about that in a minute. These kids went downstairs, but I'm going to give all you parents and grandparents some really good stuff in a second. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. It's hard to seek peace on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all those places where the world, that's the world's territory. That's the world's tools. You understand? That, that's their playground. Stay off of their playground. Invite them into your playground. I want them to come in here. We will love them to death. You hear what I'm saying? It says, and his ears are open. It says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. Do you think God hearing us has something to do with the way we live our life? I believe it does. It's not that he can't hear us, but he's not going to answer us. It says his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And so lastly, I want to talk to you about choosing your words, because this is part of daily bread. For you to really understand, give us this day our daily bread, you have to change the way you speak. I'm going to go quickly through these, and I'm going to be done. Proverbs 23, 7a says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Kids tend to become what they think you think they are. Kids tend to become what they think you think they are. Their brain's not developed enough yet to reason out situations. You know what I mean? They tend to become what you say they are. Your words to your children are maybe the most powerful, the biggest thing that you can that you do as they're growing up. The brevity of time will amaze you. You have a short window. That window is going to close, and when it closes, you'll have a hard time speaking to them. Then you need to pray that God speaks to them. But while they're young, teach them the way they should go. Guess what the Bible says? And when they're old, they will not depart from it. What does that mean? It doesn't mean when you teach them the way they should go that they won't have a period of time where they rebel or down, uh, backslide or whatever. It says when they're old. Pray that God will get them to a place where they will not depart from it. Your words have power. Proverbs 18, 21. 
Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now here's what this bottom part means. And those who love it, those who love to use the tongue will eat of its fruit. Some of us, not in here, don't have many friends because we're mean. And we say mean things and nobody wants to be around us. True? Y'all know people like that. And some of us are people magnets because we're constant encouragement. If you're around Jeff DeBoard long, you'll find there'll be some other people around you and Jeff DeBoard because he's a constant encouraging uh, gentleman. And people just like to be around that. Your words speak life and your words speak death. Now, don't hear that in the wrong way. You need to speak death to some things. There are some things that your children or your grandchildren or even your spouse or your friend will come home and say to you, and you know it's not of God, that you need to speak death to. You need to say, mm, that's not of God. I, yeah, I'm not going there. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you what you gave me. No, that's not of God. Speak death to that. There's some other things you need to speak life to. Power of the tongue. Proverbs 15.1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Isn't that true? Yeah. A harsh word stirs up anger. I want you to go to Matthew 6.33 if you have, if you have it. It's on the back of your bulletin. I just want you to read it with me. You read it with me out loud. Because the secret to this whole thing that I've been talking to you about is seeking first the kingdom. And all this other stuff will be added unto you. Repeat after me. But seek first the kingdom of God. But seek first the kingdom of God. First. But seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness... And all, all, and all these things shall be added to you. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. God, there are people here today who are battling all kinds. Everybody we run into from day to day, each and every person is facing some type of battle. So I know today that each person in here is facing a battle. God, we want to see out. We're also facing big decisions. Some decisions are not so big, and you give us choice of comfort, like where we, you know, what we want to study in school sometimes, or what we want to eat for dinner, you know, who who we want to be our friend, and all that stuff. God, that's just comfort decisions. But we're talking about the big ones today. God, we're all facing some of those. Some of us are facing a battle and a struggle. And so today, raise your hand in this room. Nobody looking. I'm not looking either. Just raise your hand to the, to heaven. Just ask God to reach down and speak to you daily. God, you see the hands, and I pray that you would send your spirit to each hand and that you would speak to each heart and mind and that daily you would help them to seek you first. Then I pray that you would lead them into paths of righteousness for your name's sake and give them answers. That's our prayer and our desire today. I love you. I thank you. Please bless this church and continue to walk with us as we Go, go throughout our day, and God, we're just, we just very, very thankful that you met with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.